Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by Pizza Hut. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. And welcome, everyone, to episode two. I can't believe we made it to episode two of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Eddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in our beautiful audio studio. And Jesse, we're now technically three days into camp. Things are slowly heating up, keyword slowly, yeah. but we are starting to see a little bit more than we saw you know, just after that first day. We're inching closer and closer to real football, but the fact that we made it three days in is great. You know, uh, episode number two of the pod. Yeah, I mean, haven't been canceled. That's yeah, good. Exactly. We're still here. <laughs> the lights are still on, luckily. We'll see how long that lasts. But, you know, we're able to learn a, bit, a little bit more, glean a little bit more from it. And see more of this, again, as we inch closer to real football and pads, hopefully very soon here. And we got a lot of things to talk about. And in just a little bit, we're going to welcome in our guest this week, Zay Jones. Zay, incredibly generous with his time earlier today. Hit on a lot of stuff. And it turns out that Zay is about two degrees away from being a triathlete. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do, I think kind of just thinking back over these past two days since we last talked to each other, that, you know, every year you see these guys that just take advantage of their opportunities in camp, right? It's the unfortunate reality. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get you know banged up a little bit, and you're yep. going to have a chance to show what you can do. I look at these past couple days of Trey Regis now, right? And unfortunately, Jalen Richard, Theo Riddick go on the COVID list. We're out here speculating about what's going on. The yep. reality is that's where they are. They're on the COVID list for the time being. Kenyon Drake missed a few days at the start of camp. And all of a sudden, you look in the backfield, and at practice, you have Josh Jacobs, and Trey Regis. Yeah. And, and you were saying before we started rolling, it really didn't feel like practice missed a beat with only having those guys back there. Exactly. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in the first couple of days here. It's like, obviously, the vets that have been here that have done that, that know the system, like, you're not going to notice too many errors this time because it's, it's you know, designed for them to succeed. But then you bring in a young dude, a, a guy that's coming in here that's not one of their top guys, that's new to the team. That's really impressive when there is no drop off like that, you know, and you don't notice, you know, errors and things like that with the scheme and stuff. So that speaks volumes for a guy to be able to come in and, you know, know his scheme, know what he's doing and continue to keep pace with everybody else on the offense and get that work in. And I think a lot of credit goes to the coaching staff, too, for just getting a rookie young dude comes in pretty, you know, kind of under the radar to get him to a place where he feels comfortable going through a practice. Because, you know, as well as I do, that just getting through a practice is no easy task in the NFL. So we'll see over the next days and weeks what kind of role Trey finds himself. But you got to give the young fellow some props early on for just essentially surviving. Yeah, it's a big opportunity. Yeah. Again, unfortunate as to why he's getting that opportunity, but man, it doesn't matter how you get your opportunity in the NFL. Once you get it, you got to run with it, quite literally, in his case. Yeah, literally. And, you know, we talked about Kenyon Drake missing those first couple days, but we saw him back today. We did. And we got a little taste, Mm -hmm. just an appetizer, if you will, of what he can bring to this offense. And man, we know what he can do coming out of the backfield, but he does so much stuff. And He's going to add such a unique wrinkle to this offense in 2021. He really is. You and I were talking about it. I mean, this is Kenyon Drake, the receiver. It's a real thing. You know, he's going to be flexed out at times doing stuff like that. So he is going to bring some real interesting wrinkles to this offense. And his skill set is so different. I think he and Josh really complement each other well. Obviously, having the Alabama ties doesn't hurt as well. So I'm excited to see how he kind of gets integrated into this. And again, it's, it's one more mouth that can be fed and one more thing the defense has to think about. And he adds that real interesting aspect to it. You know, and we've talked about this a lot. And I think that there's a section of fans, right? I'm not saying anything demeaning to the fans. Right? Yeah. But there's a section of the fans that you bring, you sign Kenyon Drake and they're like, what are we bringing Kenyon Drake in for? Exactly. We got Josh Jacobs. 
And playing running back in the NFL is hard. Heck yeah. It is physically demanding. It is mentally demanding. And there's a reason that, unfortunately, the shelf life for top-tier running backs in the NFL is not very long. So I look at you, bring Kenyon Drake in, and like you said, he is a perfect complement to Josh. He is not going to be Josh Jacobs 2.0. No. And candidly, they don't need him to be Josh Jacobs 2.0. They need him to be Kenyon Drake. And so if those two are playing off of each other, if they're making defensive coordinators just take that half-beat pause of like, oh, what are we going to do? Then that is a win. And if you can keep Josh fresher into November, December, and hopefully January— I mean, it's just one of those signings that, on paper, it just makes all the sense in the world. It did, yeah. You get over the fact of, like, you see the money that they threw at him and everything like that, but then when you do look at it, you're like, man, this totally makes sense. You know, last year with Booker, they went with more of a north-south guy, stick his foot in the ground and go, uh, maybe a bit more of a power type back, and now they're going with somebody that brings a little more to the table in terms of the receiving game and things like that. That's where I think it is going to get real interesting with him. And again, you said... It's not easy to play running back in the NFL. Well, it's definitely not easy to play running back for John Gruden as much as that dude loves to run the rock. So having that guy that's, look, let's be honest, like in Arizona, he was good. He wasn't putting up unbelievable numbers, but what he was asked to do, he did a great job when he was healthy and doing it. I mean, all you, all we need out of Kenyon Drake, and I say all, like it's such a casual thing that, oh yeah, he'll do this in with his eyes closed, is just to be efficient, right? Take advantage of your of your snaps. If it, if you're carrying the ball five times, be efficient with those five runs. If you're touching the ball nine times, be efficient with those nine. Give Josh a breather. Let Josh be him for sixty minutes, right? Yeah. And so, like I said, he's he's a guy that is going to be so much fun to watch once we get to the regular season. I obviously don't think we're going to see a ton of him or Josh during no, the preseason. Yeah. So, I mean, really, if you're if you're a fan, you have that Monday Night Football game circle. Like, all right, let's really see what Kenyon Drake mm-hmm. can do. But gosh, I mean. If you have a healthy Josh and a healthy Kenyon Drake, once the weather turns, ooh, Woo-hoo. man, you're, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're going to be like, how do we navigate this kind of puzzling situation now, right? Again, and especially even from the simple fact that, you know, I noted, you know, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake the split out as a receiver at times, that simple fact of maybe he and Josh are in the game at the same time, and that guy can add that element Oh, don't to tease it. me. Yeah, right? Don't I mean, that's, me. that's pretty nice. And then we also heard Josh talk about last year wanting to catch the ball more out of the backfield. So you got to account for those guys on top of Waller, on top of Ruggs, who, you know, for all accounts, has come back 13 pounds heavier and looks better by everybody saying it. So that's a, that adds a nice little wrinkle to the offense that I think is going to give people fits. You know, switching to the defensive side of the football before we welcome in our pal Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. A lot of questions. We talked about this in episode one, right? We have a ton of questions about this defense. And candidly, we're not going to get a ton of answers today or tomorrow. Like, we'll probably look back a month from now and be like, okay, we kind of saw the the foundation being built of what Gus, Gus Bradley wants to do here. But three days in now, when you look at the defense, what has really stood out to you? Honestly, so the, the thing that I'm really watching is Jonathan Abram. We kind of talked about that. You know, he's, he's going to be the guy in this system, in this scheme that Gus Bradley runs. That you know, box safety role is so important. So important. And so he's a guy that's kind of going to be all over the place. We're going to see him up at the box closer to the line of scrimmage. We're going to see him dropping back in coverage. He's going to be more of that kind of rover is a good way to term it. You know, he's that guy that's going to be split out and he'll be kind of roaming around. And, you know, if someone comes into his zone, he picks him up in coverage and stuff. So we're going to get to see him on receivers, on tight ends, on running backs. We're going to get to see him in the run game where he's at his best sticking his foot in the ground and going north and south and laying the wood. So that's one thing I've really been paying attention to. But again, like the communication, I think, has been what's been big. And that's what you need to see in these first couple of days here, you know, looking at it wholesale wise from, you know, an aerial view. The communication seems very good. Even when there have been scheme mistakes in terms of passing guys off and stuff like that, everyone's getting together, talking about it, and they're fixing it instantly. And you don't see many mistakes. Like that's one thing I will say. I've seen a couple here and there, but nothing major. 
And it's, again, them working their way through this scheme as a whole. And, again, the communication has been on point. You know, and this first couple of days of camp is, you know, it's an acclimation period, right? Yeah. We talked about not going from zero to 100 in 24, 48 hours, whatever it is. But to your point, where you've seen those moments of imperfection, yeah. right? And no one's expecting that it's going to be perfect exactly. this week, next week, whatever it is. But like you said, when you have those moments and then the defense comes together, they figure it out. They essentially you, you sit around and solve the problem. Yeah. Like if you're a fan of this team, that has to excite you headed into 2021 because I feel like a lot of the deficiencies, deficiencies that we saw in 2020 were kind of the same thing over and over again where the problem, we all see it. Yeah. Me and you in the box see it. I know that the fans at home, they see it, mm-hmm. but then it's over and over and over again. And you're sitting there scratching your head like, how is this happening time and time again? Yeah. And I think this year now, since it is more of a pared-down defense with Bradley in there, I think that's where we're going to see those errors kind of start to dissipate. And they're not going to continue to happen because there's less on their plates in terms of what they got to know. And it's more so just going out and being a football player, reacting to what's happening in front of you, you know? And, and that's the thing where you make the mistakes now in camp. That's what camp is for. So it's good to see those things. And it's especially good to see it early on so that they get it corrected when they put the pads on. Yeah, I mean, once this once the pads come on at some point early next week, I mean, that's when camp is really going to change, right? Because it feels like, yeah. you know, it feels like a glorified walkthrough in, in large parts of the practice. But once those pads come on, you hear those thuds, I mean, Oof. it is going to completely change the makeup of what we see at camp. But just sticking with the defense for a little bit, you know, we were talking about those questions. We were talking about the things that we kind of need to have, you know, figured out over the next couple weeks. And one thing that I've, I've been really interested about is there's so many personnel questions at this point. Yeah. But it's been really interesting for me seeing how many guys Gus Bradley has got in the mix. You know, we've seen, we were talking about it in the first episode. We saw a lot of Dallin Levitt. On still seeing a lot Yeah, of we're them. still seeing a lot of Dallin Levitt. Yeah. We saw a good amount of Javen White today. Mm-hmm. Tanner Muse has been getting a lot of run. So some of these names, names that we didn't necessarily have circled on the roster as day one starters, and we're not here to anoint anyone nah. of anything, but it has been interesting. I have noted we've seen a lot of dudes getting run with this defense. We really have. You mentioned Muse. I, he was one that stuck out to me today as well because I saw him in a lot of different roles and they're going to you know three linebacker sets and stuff where he's closer up to the line of scrimmage jamming guys and following them in coverage and stuff and that's where we're going to see his athleticism really shine you know a guy like him and you know divine diablo i haven't paid much attention to him but got to look out for him there at some point you know when he's back and and see how he's used how similar that role is going to be you mentioned javen white local guy yeah, Vegas UNLV guy, UNLV legend heck yeah man so that's another one we're watching he's been working a lot in drills with uh, nick morrow nick morrow's kind of taking him under his wing it seems like and He's had rave reviews about him, and and Javen is out there. I believe when he's in, uh, when he's not with Moore, he's been paired with uh, Kwiatkowski more. I believe he's calling some of the plays here and there. I think I've seen them doing that, and he's doing a great job communicating that to everybody. Seems like he has a nice command of it. So just stick with Javen White for a sec. You obviously have known Javen White longer than we have. Mm-hmm. What's give me like the thirty second scouting report on what he does well? Because obviously he's a UNLV guy. There's that yep. natural connection to rooting for those dudes. I always pull for the undrafted guys. But what does he do really well? What does he bring to the table? Yeah, honestly, he, he's a bit of a Swiss Army knife. But coverage is his thing. That's his thing. He's a coverage linebacker. So he was more of a safety in college. But they kind of used him his last year. So I covered him his his senior year. I came in at the end there. But he was just kind of making the move to more of that more of the slash like safety slash linebacker guy. But he's just like a rangy guy. He's got the speed, the athleticism. And he, he almost kind of, I heard, uh, I think it was Nick Kwiatkowski last year compared Corey Littleton, or when he was talking about Littleton, he said, you know, he's, a, he's got DB skills in a linebacker body. That's kind of what I got out of Javen White. He's come back bigger, stronger, faster. And so his thing, he's going to be great in coverage. And he's that guy that can kind of roam around and cover those tight ends and, and cover a receiver even if he needs to in the slot and things like that. I feel like that's the very kind of en vogue 
yeah. NFL defender now, right? Where it you is. look like a guy like Divine Diablo, Corey Littleton kind of falls into that category as well. But guys that can do a lot of things because the way that the offenses are now running the NFL, you have to be able to match your linebackers up at times, like you said, with a wide receiver and him not to be a huge liability out there. Yeah, it's, it's basically like in basketball, positionless basketball. You know, you need positionless players on the defense, and that is that totally in vogue thing where you get those guys that are rangy in that 6'3", 6'4", 6'5"-ish range that have the speed. I mean, we're seeing linebackers run in the low four. Yeah, It's crazy. It's crazy. You didn't see that stuff back in the day, you know? And back in the day, like, we're so old. But, you know, you you didn't see that type of stuff. Now you're seeing guys come all the time out there that are running 4'4", 4'5", 4'6". that's unbelievable out of a linebacker. I'll put it this way. When our when our dads were watching NFL yeah. football, there were not many Corey <laughs> Littletons rolling around out there. That is true. Right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like the the four I can't even imagine like what the average forty time for a linebacker was thirty years ago. Maybe four eight. I don't oh may, maybe maybe more than that. I don't know. I mean, if you think about it now, like realistically, like a linebacker thirty years ago is probably running the same forty time as like what, an offensive lineman now? Like when you're quicker. Heck lineman? yeah. It's crazy. To see the evolution of that position has been cool. And it it had to, the way that offenses have gone over the years and stuff. Like you said, you got to be able to match up with it and keep your same personnel on the field to where if they're going five wide, four wide, you don't have to cycle through your defense too much. You know, and and speaking of kind of that evolution and and kind of this new hybrid reality for defenders, I mean, Gus Bradley was kind of at the cutting edge of that, right? Like when you think of Gus Bradley with the Seahawks, like he was like the first guy in my mind or in my memory where you're like, oh, like DBs can do that like that's allowed yeah it is he 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 was at the forefront of that and had those guys you look at a cam chancellor who is that similar type of dude that's going to be it was in that box safety type role who kind of roams around you know even a, a jamal adams type player that you know can can mm-hmm. do a bit of everything in the similar scheme that's what he kind of started and it is cool to have that guy here to see that and also to see the tweaks that he adds to the defense as well to adapt to the offense is adjusting to it, if we're being honest, because that's what ends up happening. So we talk about the game within the game, yeah. but then you talk about like the chess game of, of a season, and then the chess game really of almost like a generation of play callers, right? Where mm-hmm. the way that you call plays now is different than it was. To, like I would love to ask Gruden about that. Yeah. If how he calls plays now, how much has changed? Because it certainly has. Just how it has changed since his first go around here, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, I would love to hear hear him kind of spit on that for a little bit. I'm sure reluctantly he's had to run the ball a bit less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would involve something like that. He'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, back in the day, you know, we could really use the fullback or Tyrone something to that Wheatley. Exactly. Oh, man. I wonder in a perfect world for him, like if you say, hey, JG, you can run the game that you – or not run, but no pun intended. You can <laughs> call the game however you want. Like I wonder what percentage of plays he would just run. I think it would be a lot. I think we right, see a lot I'll of two over under sets. at seventy one and a half percent. I'll hit the over, but I'm thinking more like 68 ish. <laughs> We'd still see a lot of the run. We would, we would. Oh my gosh! But speaking of not the run in this case, yeah. speaking of throwing the ball, mm-hmm. our guest this week, Zay Jones, man, good uh, dude, great dude, uh, a guy who came into camp as as Coach Gruden said, just in incredible, unreal shape. Uh, Zay was very generous with his time. We talked about his fitness regimen. We talked about kind of his, you know, I don't want to say new role, but his role as a mentor now for some of these younger wide receivers, and really what. 2021 is going to look like for this wide receiving core as a whole. And he was great, man. He was really, really good. He is. Real insightful. Also talked about his fitness regimen, like you said, in terms of how he got back into that shape and noted that the, the Vegas heat definitely helps him out. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Zay Jones. And man, we're just so excited to be joined by Zay Jones on the Raiders Training Camp podcast. And Zay, let's start with the important stuff first. You're out there in the new number, in number seven, looking good, feeling good. How's it feel now to have the new number and starting off the new season with uh, with some new digs? Yeah, it's nostalgic. 
especially because I wore it in high school and college. So to be back in it in the NFL is a privilege and honor. And it's just super exciting to be back with the guys uh, in this training camp. Awesome. Well, hey, Zay, this is Jesse Merrick here. Eddie and I were talking about like early on for us in terms of training camp, you know, the first couple of days, there's only so much we can take away, uh, you know, until you guys put the pads on. I'm curious for you, like, what is it that you're concentrating on? And like, what are the things that you pay attention to in these first couple of days here? Just the detail, detail of the playbook, knocking off the rust, obviously getting timing down with the quarterbacks, snap counts, things of that nature. And then just trying to focus on the small details of uh, the things that are maybe a little bit more difficult to, to study on your own actually hearing the quarterback, hearing the verbiage, hearing the coach explain some things, and then go out and execute it in the first couple of days. And then as the pads come on, things progress. You know, Isaiah, Coach Gruden was saying the other day that you just showed up to camp in beyond incredible shape. And the entire time that we've known you, first in Oakland and now here, you seem like you're always a guy who took care of your, your business off the field, showing up in shape. But really, what was the difference, I guess, in this offseason headed into training camp 2021, if there was one at all? Well, I, I appreciate his comments. Yeah, I guess I just take great pride in being ready and being available. You have to be available in this league, you know, such a long season. So I take great pride in trying to stay fit and ready and just try to kick it up a notch. I mean, obviously, Las Vegas weather helps. It's hot. <laughs> so if you're outside in uh, 100 degree plus weather, it's going to help you get in shape. But just hydrating and just doing doing my normal routine, running my miles, running my hills, and, and just trying to stay on track uh, leading into training camp. Yeah, kind of to that note, I think what Gruden said exactly was the most conditioned or best conditioned athlete we have on this team, which is awesome. And I'm just curious, like, what is it that you're doing? You kind of noted the hills there. Like, what, what's your off-season regimen like? Um, uh, it's, it's kind of the same. It's very, it's very simple, too. I run. Um, I run fast. I run hard. And then when it comes to distance, um, it, just, it just depends on where I'm at in the off-season. Is it beginning towards the end? But I peak about possibly an eight-mile session. And then if it's with hills you know, grades, steeps, um, just different things like that. It just depends. But yeah, I just try to be in the best shape possible. I swim, I run a ton because <laughs> that's what receivers do. We run. We have to stay on the field and be ready. I mean, we get you on the bike and you're just going to do triathlon, right? Yeah. So you're going to swim, you're going to bike, you're going you're gonna to do it all, man. You're yeah. see in the Olympics in, in four years. <laughs> but I'm curious to, to get your mindset and to kind of look back, if you could, a few years and kind of remember being a young wide receiver in this mm -hmm. league. And you're certainly not the old Wiley vet by any stretch, but mm -hmm. you look at guys like Henry and Brian now going into a really pivotal second year for them. What's the hardest part about being a young wideout in the NFL? Um, playing wide receiver is d difficult regardless of how, how old you are, especially in this league. I think the challenge is, is people now knowing who you are. You know, you, sometimes you can come in as a rookie or a, a new guy, and there's not a lot of film on you. People know about Henry Speed. People know who he is. People know about Brian, his physicality, how violent he is. So it's just having that film now and people being in the game plan for them. But to start with receiver, it's the week in and week out challenge of great DBs throughout the league, understanding the playbook and how fast it comes at you, and, and then just executing your route and then playing when you're tired. It's, it's difficult to do and, and performing at a high level. It's, it's difficult to play in this league, but uh, those are two guys that are very sound, very smart, and um, they'll do just fine this year. Very excited for them. Well, kind of sticking with those two guys, how have you seen them come back in the offseason, really having a, a full offseason that they didn't have last year? Yeah, they look very clean, very sharp, uh, strong, especially for Brian. You know, he had some things going on. Glad to see him very, very healthy, very strong. Looks like he's ready to compete. Always a guy that I've admired 
as well as Henry, but specifically Brian. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. He's going to do some very special things this year. You know, we're excited to see him. And like I said, Zay Jones, our guest here on the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. And Zay, you look at this wide receiver core just kind of as a collective, and it feels like this is a really complete group in terms of you have a guy like Henry, who's the speed guy, Brian, a big physical guy, you as well. I mean, it's seen, and it, let's not, we gotta, I feel like we have to include Darren Waller in there because he's yeah. a, a de facto wide receiver as well. But yeah. when you look at this group, is this the most complete wide receiver room that you've had since you've been in as a Raider? That's a good question. Well, I think only Tom would tell. You know, it's, it's still very early. Don't want to make any too bold predictions right now. I, I like the, the basis of just the foundation of working. But there is a lot of potential in this group. And, you know, Darren has flat out shown what he can do. And he's a proven guy. And for the younger guys coming up, it's going to be a, a big step for them to take on that challenge, to prove themselves and earn it in this league. John Brown's a proven guy. Willie Sneed's a proven guy. Myself, Brian, Hunter, yeah. you know, Henry, we all have things that we still want to do and want to show. And um, as far as the pieces, I feel like this could be a very, very complete group. It's all about putting it together and being ready to compete when it comes time. And, and one of the things that uh, Derek mentioned uh, two days ago, yesterday, I think it was, um, was the simple fact that like you guys have a couple new pieces where you've got, you know, uh, John Brown and you've got uh, Snead coming in here. But for the most part, everybody's returning. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of the continuity, like what has that done for you guys in terms of being able to hit the ground running? It's, it's less people trying to learn the language that we speak. You know, when there's a big turnover and a lot of people come in, now it's few people trying to teach a larger group. But in this case, it's a large group teaching just a few people. And that helps. So now they're speaking the same language as we are. You know, John Brown coming from the Bills, I kind of know what he was taught there and what things were verbalized there. So now it's just translating it for him. That there means this for us. And it's like those, oh, I get it moments. So it's able to speak the same language. Um, For Willie, I didn't have that relationship, but luckily enough, John Brown had that relationship with Willie when they were in Baltimore. So the turnover has been a little bit easier because we're all familiar with each other. And I can speak for the wide receiver room that there's there's not a lot of, a lot of egos. Everyone seems to come in and just want to work. It's, in, it's not like a cliche, oh, we believe, but like we're, we're truly brothers. Everyone believes in this football team. And we all, we all hold each other accountable and we're responsible. And, and I, really, I really enjoy this group. It's fun to play with. Just wrapping up here with Zay Jones. And Zay, we're only three days into camp, but I, I was telling Jesse this the other day. I feel like you guys have so much fun out there. I mean, I've watched you guys yeah, are all yeah. dancing. Like, you guys are <laughs> yeah. having a blast. And I know that camp is a drag, right? It is a marathon. But how important is it to just be out there and be like, hey, man, we're playing football. We're having yeah, fun. Yeah, that's, that's what's important, at least for me. Uh, it's just try to enjoy this, you know. Football won't be forever, you know. Tomorrow's not promised. So I just try to go out and enjoy the days, you know, whether good or bad, ugly, great, whatever it is. Just try to embrace it and enjoy it. I know me and Marcel enjoy it. We dance, we laugh. Uh, me and Josh Jacobs, you know, we joke. Whoever it is, really just try to embrace where we're at. We get our work in too now. It's not all just jokes and laughter, but it, it's easy. It's easier when you're around a group of guys that, that you love and, and want to win for. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, Zay, we appreciate your time, man. I know that we're in the dog days of camp already, and I appreciate you stealing a few minutes for us. So stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch up with you soon, all right? Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Zay. The $10 Tastemaker from Pizza Hut. Stuck in traffic? Just think of all the delicious meat and veggie combinations. Whoops, got a little distracted there. Large, up to three toppings, just 10 bucks. No one out pizzas the hut. Deal not available in some locations. Exclusions apply. 
And a big thank you to Zay for being so generous with his time. And Jesse, sticking on the offensive side of the football, looking at the big boys up front, uh, I had a great view today to watch the offensive line, defensive line, one-on-ones. And really, before we get into kind of some of the specifics, just in general, I thought the offensive line has had a really nice start to camp. They have so thus far. And you can tell, like, Cable is one of those dudes that's such a technician. I mean, and again, I'm not an expert in O-line play, but listening to him, I learned so much just sitting there listening to him talk and go through the guys and, and go through their drills. And today I watched them working through stunts and stuff like that with the D-tackles or just the D-linemen, you know, moving around, getting some things like that and, and passing guys off and how they go and set. And honestly, there, there was one or two where I looked, I was like, ah, but for the most part, man, it was on point. Everybody seems to know what they're doing. And guys are real violent with their hands, real physical. It's going to be fun to watch when they actually get the pads on. And we look at the leader of this offensive line now, undoubtedly Colton Miller, right? Your franchise left yeah. tackle, a guy who, as crazy as it sounds now, is your pseudo-veteran presence along with Richie Incognito on that line. And I thought he's had a really, really strong three days. And Colton's one of those guys, and I don't mean this as a bad thing, you're not going to notice him a lot, No, right? He's not very loud. He's not very outspoken. His game, I don't think, is overly sexy, Right, like you think of some of these left tackles that are a bit of you know showmen, right? Yeah. And they're going to dance, they're going to do their thing. That's not Colton. But I just kept watching Colton during some of his reps today, and he is just about as cold and calculated mm-hmm. and calm under pressure. And I don't think he got beat today in a one-on-one. I really don't. No, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, he's that dude that'll like stuff you when you're trying to come after him, and then he just walks away. Yeah, silent. I mean, doesn't say a thing. And I think that's worse. More oh, mentally, it's humiliating, you know? right? Yeah, like, especially if you're jawing at him, and then all of a yeah. sudden he just stu- like stonewalls you, and he walks off, and and that's the last to see of him. You just get nothing in return. But man, his anchor really impresses me. You know, he, he's not going to get bowled over by many guys. I know early on in his career, he, he was really concentrating on like, gaining that strength and the size and everything like that. He's got it, and he, he looks different than the other guys out there size wise again we talked about how you know there's there's some size on this offensive line he's one of those dudes he's that anchor on the side there and he, he's drop step the way he's able to get back and stop speed rushers and things like that he kind of has has added so many different elements to his game and it's fun to watch and we talk about just the overall size of that line right and i think that that's one thing that the average person i don't think really has a full appreciation of when you see five six seven nfl offensive linemen walk by you yeah it's like this is a different breed of human being. Yeah, right? especially uh, when you see him, I mean, to cut you off there, no, but no, no. when you see him next to normal people, quote-unquote. Oh, my God. You know, some of the trainers, some of the Raiders trainers, you see him and you're like, wow, like he dwarfs them. Yeah, and it's it's funny with Colton, right? Because Colton is objectively a really big dude. But for whatever reason, like you look at Darren Waller, like even from a distance, and you're like, this guy is just something else. You don't necessarily get that from Colton. Like you understand like he's a big dude, mm-hmm. but I think finally seeing him, like, seeing him up close, you're like, this is a left tackle in the NFL. And I think it kind of just goes to kind of everything that he does is under the radar, not overly sexy. But, man, you need to have a stud left tackle and a stud right tackle to succeed in the NFL. And the Raiders have the left tackle situation figured out in a big, big way. They really do, and you hope they've got it figured out at right tackle. But if you have those two bookends the way the NFL is now with the pass rushers that we see in the game, you're in a good spot. You're able to do that, and you have two things that are massive deals you don't have to worry about. You know that things are locked down on the edge. You know, when when everything kind of hits the fan, those are the guys that are going to cover you there. And, and it gives D.C. an opportunity to step up in the pocket and buy some time to get to all those weapons that we always talk about. And, and you need depth on the – I mean, you need depth just across the roster. But, I mean, let's think about last year, right? And it yeah. felt like every different – it felt like every different day there was a, five different guys playing in front of Derek. And just looking at that depth now where you feel pretty good about your top five, six guys on that line – but you need to have, be able to go seven, eight, nine, whatever it is. And a guy that a little lower on the roster that I, I really kept an eye on, I thought he's had a nice start to camp as well, is Jared Jones-Smith, man. Mm-hmm. A- and 
you know, we talk about Colton not really being a showman. Jared Jones Smith, a little bit more of a showman. He was enjoying his, <laughs> you know, his playing his air guitar today. Yeah. And the guy was having a lot of fun out there. But he has had some really, really good reps, too. And he's a guy we talk about when the pads come on. Keep an eye on big number 72. He is. He's definitely one. Of, he had, I don't know if you saw the visor he was rocking today. Oh, I didn't see the visor. Yeah. Some of you guys got to see maybe some of your guys' photographers. Oh, I'm sure. I'm it. sure someone did. He had like the, like almost like the red eye like type of thing on it. It was like a, like almost like a demon's eyes. It was pretty crazy. It was like mirrored with some like red, like slant. I, like it was like woof. I was like, dang! I tried to get a picture, but the, they stopped the shooting period. Of course, like with their si- holding the signs. Yeah, of yeah. Shooting. But no, he has looked solid for sure. Um, another guy that I think is interesting. They were talking about yesterday was John Simpson, and obviously he's a guy that we all know. But they said that you know he was probably the most improved. You know, got really strong, didn't lose any of his dirt, his uh, you know flexibility and things like that. And I think when you think about the fact that he and Denzel Good are competing for that spot. Having that guy, if, if he doesn't end up being one of the starters or if Denzel ends up being a backup, like you've got that depth that you talked about, quality guys to where you're not going to some no-name guy. Yeah, and speaking of John Simpson too, where I wrote down in my notebook today that John Simpson had a one-on-one rep against Klee and the Clemson on Clemson, you know, yeah. oh, a lot going on there. But, I mean, he held up in a big way. I mean, he essentially said, Klee, not today, sir. And Klee's going to get his, right? We all yeah. know that. But in that rep, you're like, Oh, this is what he can be. And we talk, and we heard Gruden and everyone talk about how strong John Simpson is mm-hmm. now. And you saw it on that one-on-one. You're like, this is a big man, and this is a big man who is not going to be pushed over in any type of way. Exactly. And the thing with him is everyone says, you know, he came in, he was a run blocker. That was this thing a lot of people didn't like his pass protection skills. Where if you see that develop now this year here in camp, and he comes to the table, can do that, he becomes a much more complete offensive lineman. And look, Say what you will about Klee, that dude can still rush the passer. Yeah. He's one of the dogs on that D-line. So if he's able to stop him, that's a good sign. Absolutely. And, and it all goes back to what we were talking about, depth, mm-hmm. where you need to have five dogs, but you need to have six and seven and eight because yeah. the, the nature of this beast is someone is going to miss time. It sucks, but it's the reality of the NFL. So you need to be confident in that seventh guy to step in. You need to be confident in you know, whether it is Denzel or John or whoever it is, someone who's on the – who knows? Yeah. You need, if you're Tom Cable, you have to look at your group as a whole. you got to be able to go from, like I said, from one to eight and feel really good about them. But we will learn so much more about those guys next week yes. when the pads come on. We'll learn about everyone a little bit more when the pads come on. So what do you look for as we kind of preview pads coming on? Like, what's important for you in that first day, in that second day of pads? Man, that's when you really see, like, who wants to hit and who doesn't. You know, you can sense the hesitation because you can see the guys that thrive on that physicality. And look, let's be real. These guys have all played college football at a high level, and this is the NFL for the guys that have been here around there. You don't get here if you don't like contact, but you can also always tell when someone doesn't quite have it or they're not quite about it. You know, you put the pads on and you really see that physicality come out in the game and also see how people move in pads. It's, it's easy in shorts and a T-shirt, basically, you know, jersey and the helmet. That's not real football. But you do that, you're moving in the pads the way, you know, different points to grab for the O-line and things like that. And that's where the nastiness in the game comes out. So I look for the nastiness that is and the guys that you can tell just feed off of that physicality. And I think for the offensive linemen and defensive linemen in general, like you talk about all those places to grab, all those points of pressure, yeah. like... There's no way to really replicate that no. without the pads. Like you can you can do as much handwork as you want, but until you physically can put your hands on someone else's shoulders, like it's got to be kind of like football life for the big boys up front. Yeah, it is, and that's the thing is, look, I mean, it, the finesse rushers and the guys that can come flying off the edge and things like that. Like, yeah, that's in vogue. That's what we see a lot. That you, anybody's able to see that. But it's the the physical guys that are going to bull rush you and stuff like that. That's where they thrive. Obviously, when you put the pads on, 
and that's that's the grimy stuff that's going to get to the quarterback, you know, in, in the center and force him out and stuff like that. Out to your guys on the edge that can have contained and things like that. So that's where, you know, you put those pads on, you really see that physical element of it. Because we see what Max brings to the table in terms of his edge rush. We see what Ngakwe brings to the table in terms of that as well. I'm real curious to see those guys, when we put the pads on, what sort of physical elements they've added to their game. And I just can't wait to just hear the thud. Yeah. That's in again, man. I mean, you talk about some of the best sounds in sports, Oof. and I think the golf ball going in the hole, mm-hmm. a swish, and thudding up, man. It's it's right there. Just And it just there's such a, such a sense of normal, such a sense of, all right, we're back, when you're going to hear that crash of two dudes running into each other. There is. And if there's anybody that you know is going to be fired up, it's going to be Gruden. We oh saw him today God. getting the fans going a bit. Dude, I mean, a sh- speaking of showman, yeah. way to go, JG. Let's go. We're rocking, baby. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's out there catching passes. Yeah. I'm still mad that I missed that. <laughs> but then he's also getting the fans riled up. I mean, I can't wait to see this guy on pads. When we, when we get out there you know, for the first day with pads, that's where my focus is going to be for the first bit of practice, just watching John Gruden and seeing how like fired up he gets, a little ball of energy. I feel like part of John still feels like he can put pads on and play Heck left yeah. tackle in the NFL. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, I think if, I, if I saw the picture right, I think it was John Abram coming in for the tackle when oh. he was catching passes. <laughs> and you know in John's mind he's like, I could truck him. I could put him down. You know he thinks that. A thousand, I just have this vision of Gru now, just seeing Abram in space. <laughs> like, let's and go, not, big dog. Exactly. And not trying to get to the sideline, just having that moment of looking him in the eye, and then the shoulder goes, <laughs> the shoulder goes down, and may the best man win. Ah, oh, the beauty of camp. Yes. You're not going to see that week seven, but hey, yeah. the third day of camp, you're going to see JG out in the flat shaking and baking and, and, uh, and having a lot of fun. So <laughs> we're having a lot of fun. we got to get out of here. As so always. we will be back next week. Hopefully talking about some some pads action, yes. talking about an increase in intensity. And, and look, the acclimation days, we said at the top, they are objectively not the sexiest couple practices you're yeah. going to see. But they are so important for building the foundation of what this team is going to be in 2021. That said, cannot wait for the real thing. Nice week. <laughs> so for Eddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick, our guest this week, Zay Jones, our friend Alexandra behind the glass, making us sound so much better than we actually do in real life. My man Ray helping us out on the levels and everyone else at Silver and Black Productions who helps us get from A to Z. We thank you deeply, humbly, and oh so sincerely. And we will catch you guys next week for our third episode, believe it or not, Woo. our third episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by Pizza Hut. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network.